So, are you DTFF? Once again, here is Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football with your hosts, Dustin Lunt and Jake Trowbridge. Hey, welcome back to DTFF, everyone. Happy Mardi Gras. It is Fat Tuesday up in here as we are live and recording. And I'm sad I'm not at the Mardi Gras. I'm going to be honest. The wifey poo is is out there enjoying it with uh, her sister and her husband. I unfortunately had to stay behind. But that means we get to do a show. Otherwise, we would not be recording. We'd be off. So silver linings all around today here, Jake. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree very wholeheartedly because, you know, I don't like to think of myself as chopped liver. Although in comparison to the Mardi Gras, I understand how I would be second of the choices. But hopefully yeah. by the end of this episode, I convince you that it was actually better for you to stay here than to go to Mardi Gras. Let's see mm. if I can do it. Good luck with that. I'm going to tell you right now the answer is no. Uh, tell <laughs> you have you, to be I'll... open. Be open-minded, does it? Okay. Okay. Just let me lay this out here. One episode of DTFF, which I love right, right. here in my heart bone. It, mm-hmm. It's it's one of my more most favorite things in the world. Sure. Versus a week off of work, literally one whole week, yep. drinking every day, going to parades, yep. catching beads. Absolutely. Eating lots of amazing Cajun food. You betcha. I don't think it's going to compare. We'll see. We'll see. We can revisit this at the end of the episode and see what happens. <laughs> but uh, I'm just I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm going to make a bold prediction here and, and say it's not going to compare. <laughs> all right. All right. We, we will sort this out at the end of this episode. But yeah. I am excited if for no other reason than, you know, there's a lot of negativity going on in the world. Obviously, mm-hmm. we're not going to get into that. We're going to do the opposite. We're going right. to celebrate some good things on this episode. A little a little pat on yeah, our right. backs. We're, we're not going to hurt our, our elbows by, by patting ourselves on the back this week. We have a little, little pats. Uh, it, let's be fair. We, we focused on our own misses over the last couple weeks here. So we have to have to pat ourselves on the back at least a little bit and, you know, let all of our listeners out there and viewers here know that we're just don't miss all the time. Like we actually do know what we're talking about uh, <laughs> sometimes. You know, sometimes. So we, we got to do that. Um, so, yeah, yeah, we're talking victory laughs, just just little ones this week. Not not too bad. We're we're. We're not grandiose like that, where we where we just victory laugh all the time whenever we get one little thing right. But uh, so yeah, it'll be nice this week to do that. Um, any news you want to talk about? I don't know that there's been much out there. Um, we're in the thick as... of this whole uh, news cycle where it's just trying to find any quote basically mm-hmm. to blow up into news, and so I don't feel like most of it's worth talking about. The one thing we could maybe talk about, if you want, is Kyler Murray came out with this. Pretty obnoxious statement, or his agent did. His agent did, His behest. And if you haven't seen this thing, first of all, it's in all caps. It's in this very irritating font. It's very, very long. It has Kyler Murray in the bottom corner of it as like a a photo of him doing a very weird pose. I I don't even know. It's not a football move, so I don't know what he's doing. Mm -hmm. All of it's weird, and all of it, the too long didn't read version is, hey, pay me, Arizona Cardinals. Mm -hmm. Extend my contract. Give me a, a better deal. And we can talk about this next season. Then, yeah, obviously there's. I don't feel like there's much there. He's under contract for two more years. I think the the Cardinals have the rights, um, so they don't have to since he's under his rookie deal. It's not like he can sit out a season because he needs the uh, time to accrue to roll over his contract. So why he could sit out? What is it like six weeks or eight weeks or something? 
for the season and still come back and have have the contract uh, accrue a year. I don't see him doing that, honestly. So and what, what, and his safety net even fell away today. We, are, of course, are not a baseball podcast, nor would we ever want to be. But there was the big owners players final deadline mm-hmm. meeting today, and they did not come to terms for this upcoming baseball season. So Kyler Murray has always had baseball to like at least use kind of like right. how Russell Wilson used to once upon mm-hmm. a time. Like if I don't like how things are going in football, I'll just go play baseball. Well, haha. Now you can't do that either. So <laughs> jokes on you, Kyler. That's right. And I guess the only other news to, that I saw today um, that the Giants are, are open to basically cleaning house and you know open to trading pretty much anyone, including Saquon, uh, which which I don't think would ever happen. Let's be honest. He's kind of the cornerstone of their offense right now. But interesting to see what will, if anything, comes of that, I should say, uh, as the offseason progresses. I know they gave that big money contract to uh, Kenny Galladay last year. Uh, so it'll be, yeah, just just something of note to kind of keep an eye on. And and you know what? If we ever need to fill up time on one of these podcasts, we will speculate wildly about it. But tonight tonight is not that night. We we have no, things to discuss here, Dustin. Mm-hmm. And I think most importantly, of course, is what are we drinking? And what are you drinking? Because this time we're each doing our separate thing. Yes. Yeah. As I was, uh, we were talking right before we went on uh, live here. Had a rough start to the week work-wise, so uh, I was not in a beer mood by any means. So I'm drinking wine. I'm drinking a, a, a Cab Sav this evening. I, I, I love my wine. I love drinking wine, love red wine. So as one of those, I'm like, I need to crack into a bottle and just enjoy some wine this evening. So yeah, I'm drinking a nice uh, Cab Sav. Even got it in a wine glass for the show. I'm getting fancy. <laughs> Put the pinky out even and, and nice, just go for it. Yeah, Nice Cabriola Sofa Glognunk. A nice Matt LeBlanc that you're drinking there tonight. That's right. Oh, another Friends reference. That's twice today. Is that two thus Weird. far, Shooter? Two thus far. So um, my wife, so so I, I will interject. My wife called me from Mardi Gras and she said we were, her and her sister and um, her sister's husband were, were playing the game of what characters would we be in Friends? Oh, sure. Who hasn't done that? And And have you decided who you would be? Well, I thought for sure I would be Ross. Just as like kind of the nerdy... Uh, very serious uh, guy. Um, very studious. But, but Did then, they give you Joey? No, no, no. That's Brent, okay. my brother-in-law. That's Brent. He's Joey. Um, but then, but then they said um, that I was like a not a major character. So I was like, "Don't tell me I'm Gunther." Mm. I go, mm. I go. At least say I'm Fun Bobby. I, I go. I want to be Fun Bobby of all people. <laughs> <laughs> well, how rude! How quickly would you have to file for divorce if she had called you Gunther? I, think I know. That would have had to be almost immediate. <laughs> That's so yes. That's so yeah, that that was the friends reference. Now that we've aged ourselves here to the audience, uh, friends is uh, what universal. Are, damn it, is um, it though these days? I don't know. Maybe uh, that's probably know. just old balls. Me talking here. I am. What are, drinking, what are you drinking? <laughs> I'm drinking uh, this very nice whiskey that I got recently from a friend. That's uh, it's double oaked, and Ooh. it's yeah. I've never had a double oaked any kind of whiskey. I don't think. At least. But in any case, I made myself a nice little uh, whiskey sour, which is my drink of choice. So it's Woodford Reserves Double Oaked Whiskey. A little bit. I I do the the really low grade version, which I probably shouldn't with this good of whiskey. But I just do a little bit of squirt and a little bit of soda and I just mix it up and it's it's tasty as shit. Yeah. Whatever floats your boat, man. That's all that matters. Yeah. This is all about us today. That's right. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Okay. 
Well, you know, it's not on the show sheet, Jake, but I do want to pay off another uh, my other uh, beer bet um, that I have outstanding just so then I can as as we pivot here after this week from looking backwards, mm. moving forwards, I don't have to worry about paying off any beer bets. I'm putting it all behind me. Uh, so, yes. So the other beer bet I have to pay off that you won was that Logan Thomas finishes tight eight, tight end eight, to mouthful or better. Um, and he finished tight end 17 in points per game and only played in six games. So take that loss there. And I'm sure we'll discuss him a little bit more in the episode this evening. But um, but yes. So, Jake, I lost this to you. Congratulations. You are an amazing fantasy football prognosticator slash genius slash human. Yeah, a little extra. See, I'm telling you, I'm going to convince you this was the best decision by the end of this episode. I, and I, again, we will talk about this later, but I applaud you for not even trying to get away with hinkiness on this one because this no. is one that could be hinky. It I, could be, I dare say. but yeah, you know what? I'm man enough to to take my losses when they come, take my lumps, and admit defeat. And that if he would have been like tight in twelve in points per game, I would have been like, okay, maybe we have something to talk about there because. <laughs> It, you know, with injury, he was he was at least a top twelve, but no, he's seventeen. That's too far down. So I I, I'm, I'm not even going to try to to make a case for that. I appreciate that about you. And what I'm going to do for you, because I'm such a nice guy, is try and turn your attention to someone who is in worse uh, in a worse situation than you are right now. Uh, we are going to try and make ourselves do better with a drunk trade of the week. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're waiting for me to do the drop. I get that. All right, here we go. Drunk, 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 hammer, drunk, 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 trade of the week. Like Dustin I said, gets it's, some it's, wine it's, in him. It's, 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 it's been, off the rails. It's been a rough start of the week already. My <laughs> mind is just so hit us jake with us (laughs) i love it that damn cabriola is getting to you up this drunk trade comes from drunk trade now you've done it to me this drunk trade comes from andrew rosian on twitter who submits he traded david nujoku for tyler johnson in a half ppr league where there is no tight end premium and he did this at the beginning of the nfl playoffs Okay, so making so, a push, making a push to to get in the playoffs and well, no, no, no. Shift. This was for the NFL playoffs, so everything oh, else after. had been settled. Basically, after. the league okay. had been settled. Yep, gotcha. But he's trying to get ahead up on the, the next year. Basically, says wanted to buy Tyjo, stealing that by the way, abbreviation for Tyler Johnson. Never thought of it before. Going to use it all the time now. But wanted to buy Tyjo before his breakout. When Godwin was out for the NFL playoffs. Mm-hmm. Makes some sense, mm-hmm. right? And uh, we don't know if Godwin's going to return to the Buccaneers after this season because he is a free agent. So, yeah, I get that. Now, the reason that this is such a prescient twa- trade. Twade, I did it again, Dustin. I don't know what's happening. Give me some of that cabriola. I need to offset whatever's in this whiskey. Um, but what is so prescient about this is that the Browns did just fork over a bunch of money. For David Njoku. So he is now for certain with the team. What his involvement will be, you know, Mm -hmm. compared to this year and the year previous, who knows? But they did pay him a hefty, hefty sum. So I asked Andrew, on a scale of one to singing Shania Twain at karaoke, how tipsy were you when you made this trade? He said about six or seven. 
It was wild card weekend. So again, right at the start of the playoffs, was trying to convince myself that the Cowboys, who I believe he's a fan of, could beat the 49ers despite the sloppy penalty and play all season. That didn't work. But did this trade work for you, Dustin? Uh, for me, yes. In a non-tight end premium. Yeah, I, I like the potential upside for Taijo here. Uh, and Joku, yeah, he's flashed a little bit. We've all hoped he's he was going to be this breakout tight end. But they still do have Austin Hooper on the team. And for this next season, I just pulled up Track here. And he has $11.5 million dead cap hit. Um, so basically, they're not going to cut him. Uh, next after this next season, it, it goes down to seven and a half million as a dead cap hit. So I don't see them cutting Austin Hooper. So you're still going to be in this committee, this tight end committee on the team. Uh, plus they drafted um, who's the other young tight end they drafted last year too? Harrison Bryant, I believe. Yes, yes, thank you. And so he's going into what his second or third season here. So it's like. Usually that's when tight ends start to break out. So I feel like that's a very muddled tight end room. Yeah, maybe he's really good for real actual football purposes. It has a role on that team. But for fantasy, I don't like it at all. I, I think uh, Taijo has greater upside playing, possibly starting opposite of Mike Evans on that team. Granted, we don't know who the quarterback is right now for that team. But you got to think he's going to get plenty of targets uh, picking up that uh, Chris Godwin role. And you have to remember Antonio Brown's not going to be back either. So there's targets there that that could potentially get funneled towards him. So, yeah, I, I, I like buying in on the upside, especially in a non tight end premium league. Like, I, I feel like that's a no brainer. Yeah, I, I think Andrew was feeling bad about this today just with that news, because anytime you make a trade and then you get like news about a player that. Could oh, be yeah, construed it's the positive, worst. You just trade it away. You just you take that to heart. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I agree with you. I think you made the ultimate point about one. He's a tight end that really hasn't done anything yet mm -hmm. through five years with the Browns. So is year six all of a sudden going to be the year? Maybe. Hey, the he six year tight end breakout. You know what happens. <laughs> Uh, he's on the Gary Barnage train. Mm -hmm. That's, that might be the 100th reference to Gary Barnage on this <laughs> podcast. I'm not positive, but uh, if, if it was, I really wish I had balloons settled. But I think going into the sixth year for David and Joku, like you said, with Hooper, maybe he becomes the dominant tight end there out of the two. Okay. What's that really mean for fantasy, though? Is it worth Getting up in arms over? I don't think so. I think it's replaceable at best mm -hmm. for Njoku. So I'm good. I mean, do you really want the number two tight end on a not pass heavy team? I mean, you have Baker Mayfield, he's, who hasn't lived up to his potential or hype, I should say. You have Jarvis Landry, who's going to still get his targets. Most likely, they're going to end up drafting a wide receiver day two at the latest, I would think. Maybe not a round one wide receiver, but I, I would suspect. Uh, round two, round three at the latest. You have uh, DPP there who has flashed. So I just, I don't see where the targets are to go around in this offense to get Njoku enough play where he's going to be relevant fantasy-wise. Right, right. And that's all we care about. We don't care mm -hmm. about real NFL for this. So that's I right. say hearty thumbs up. Uh, one of those big thumbs up, you know, like uh, uh, Walker, one of the Texas big... Ranger gives at the uh, end of dodgeball. To, oh, to I was going to I was going to say like one of those uh, big foam hand thumbs up that you get at like a sporting event, yeah, perhaps yeah, yeah. maybe an NFL football game, perhaps. Oh. 
I see how you tied it back in. (laughs) Either way, I think this is one of the better trades that we've gotten uh, for the actual submitter. So, yeah, absolutely. If I was at a a six or seven of singing Shania Twain at karaoke, I'd be very happy with how this trade turned out. (laughs) Let's be honest. If you or I were at the six or seven of that scale, that very scientific scale, we would have probably traded away our top quarterback for like a guy who we kind of thought looked like was Mike Evans, but was actually like Michael Evansworth, and he's like a backup kicker or something, you know? I, I thought you were going to go the other way and say, if we were at a six six or seven already, we, we would have um, already sang Shania Twain at karaoke and moved on to something like Meatloaf. That's at point. this point. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's a four or five in, uh, yeah. on our scale. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, I do agree with you there. All right. Well, that was fun. Let's move on to our victory laps. Let's pat ourselves on the back here. I'm happy about this. Um, I don't have too many. So, Jake, why don't you start us off with your first uh, uh, victory you want to talk about? Well, I, I don't feel like I have a ton of victory lapping that I want to nor can do tonight. One, so just as a, a recap for listeners here, we go through our drinking buddies from last season. We go through our sleepers and busts. Mm-hmm. We typically did a Red Flags episode where we were really high alert on players to avoid. We didn't do that this year, so nothing to pull from there. Um, I will say my biggest one, it still feels good, and I'm definitely going to talk about it, but it doesn't feel as good as I want it to, and that is Brandon Cooks. I was super high on Brandon Cooks uh, because Brandon Cooks is Mike Evans. So just pull it back to what we were talking about earlier. In that, he consistently produces. Mm-hmm. He is constantly putting up 1,000-yard seasons. And nobody seems to care. You know, he, he was trending at about wide receiver 40 in ADP coming into this season. Which is criminal. Yeah. It's criminal. The, the deal, well, I understand, it's the Texans. And, of course, Deshaun Watson was not throwing them ball. And so people get nervous, and I understand that too. (laughs) However, he finishes this year wide receiver 22 overall, wide receiver 20 in points per game. He had a massive amount of volume, 134 Mm -hmm. targets. We talked about this last week. Nobody else got more than 60 targets on that team. He more than doubled the guy below him in target share. He is 29 years old, or will be turning 29, I should say, at the start of next season. Right. I don't know his quarterback situation still. It could be anything. It could even be a boat. So he could stay on that team. They could have Davis Mills throwing to him again. They could somehow figure something out with Deshaun Watson. Maybe they could trade Brandon Cooks if they decide he's older. He's not going to help us. We need to rebuild fully. He could be out of there. And with any number of not in a rebuild right now. Well, I think if they actually commit to it and say it out loud to themselves, they would understand that Brandon Cooks probably needs to go. I understand the first year there, maybe he helped some young guys and was a good locker room presence and all that. But I think the smart move would be to move him for whatever you can get. Um, but the point is, it doesn't matter. I don't care. I don't care who his quarterback is. I don't care what team he's on. I don't care what the depth chart looks like because it never matters for Brandon Cooks. He can be the third option or he can be the first option. And he just continually does this. This is his fifth year now out of the last six where he had at least a 1,000 yards. The mm-hmm. only reason he didn't get it that one time is because he had a bunch of concussions. Otherwise, I'm sure it would have been a solid, you know, six for six. Absolutely. Um, or seven for seven, for that matter. I think actually it stretches back even mm-hmm. further. But the point in all of this is, yes, it feels good. But when you're looking at wide receiver 20 in points per game, 
it doesn't hit you with that like oomph. You know, it would be something if he was a top 12 guy and then I'd really be, I would throw my elbow out. Right. You know, if he but, was doing that. But it's like you said, he was going at wide receiver 40. So uh, if you're just talking a standard redraft league, no like super flexor or anything like that at wide receiver 40. So you're at least 40 picks in there. Plus, you probably got that many running backs, close to that many running backs going, right. plus your quarterbacks, plus your tight ends. I mean, you're looking at a guy you're picking up in what, round nine? I round think 10? I got him in round I mean, 10 or 11 in our redraft league. I mean, year. that's to get a wide receiver two value out of that. I mean, that is insane return on where you drafted him. Insane. That value. So, I mean, while, while I know you're kind of playing it down, it's like, but you have to you take it in the context of where you were drafting them last year. I mean, that when you start getting into that double digit rounds, you're taking dart throws and to get a guy that produced, I mean, he was on fire there to start the season. Like he was, oh, yeah. I mean, he was insane how many points he was putting up the first like six weeks of the season. I know it cooled off a little bit after that, but I mean, he returned the value tenfold from where you drafted him so i i think you need to uh give yourself more credit than you're letting on there i'm gonna do it then you know what? i'm gonna do it i only downplayed it because i wanted to see if you would come in and give me the kudos that i so obviously obviously yeah did. and nobody does what? make sense yeah go ahead yeah and here's the thing he's gonna be in the same spot this next draft season like he's gonna be undervalued because of the whole the texans uh, he's a year older he's he's reaching that age cliff uh, for wide receivers like yeah he's gonna be undervalued and chances are he's gonna if he stays in that situation in houston and whether or not deshaun's there or not he's gonna be the main target i can't see houston bringing in a big name wide receiver i just don't see it right now so chances are he's gonna be the main target on that offense yet again so yeah you can probably just mark it in the books right now thousand yards Right. And it's uh, a it's, great it's, thing to be able to post it into your lineup. And again, like you said if he's wide receiver one on your team, no, you don't know that. But if he is wide receiver two or below, then that's a great fine. And if you're taking him in, in round nine, round 10, he's probably your wide receiver three at, at best, probably your mm -hmm. wide receiver four at, a, at at four or five at that point. I mean, yeah, the, you're getting hell of value there. So I. I am all in on him, assuming his ADP stays depressed like it was this last season. And that is probably someone I will be targeting for later round. Not a sleeper, because you can't really call him a sleeper, but definitely someone that's undervalued. Oh, for sure. I, I saw somebody on Twitter, I believe it was our good friend of the show, Mike Fiola. I think it was him. Said that essentially Amari Cooper is more expensive version. Yes, I more saw expensive that. version yes. of Brandon Cooks. And yep. or the other way, the flip side, Brandon Cooks is the much cheaper version of Amari Cooper. And so yep. he's one of those guys, if you're going to draft somebody like Amari, just wait mm -hmm. six rounds and draft Brandon yep. Cooks. Yeah, I saw that poll and I picked Brandon Cooks in that poll, actually, because I'm like, no, I love him at his value. You're getting essentially the same production but for whatever reason he just doesn't have the draft capital behind him which i'm fine with taking him that late i have no issues getting good players that late in the draft let's just pin him to our board right now to talk yeah. about like three months out basically yeah so we can go ahead and hype him up he'll both be on our sleeper uh episode basically <laughs> that's that's right all right dustin who is the guy you want to talk about here all right I don't, we don't need to talk about it too much here because we brought it up multiple weeks here already. Are you sure? Uh, I feel like I'm we sure. should talk about it more. I know. Okay. That's Debo Samuel. I, I was banging the drum for this guy all last offseason, and it paid out in spades. 
I'll be the first to admit, I did not expect him to finish as high as he did. I, I, I did not expect that. I was honestly expecting him to finish high wide receiver two in that like 13 to 15 ish range. I did not expect, what was he, wide receiver three uh, overall? I mean, I did not, I, I, I would be lying through my teeth if I said, if I really thought that was going to happen. Uh, am I surprised at that? Absolutely. I am so happy that that happened. Just vindicates me even more. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's my big win. Debo, um, he, he was the focal point of that offense. And I know there was injuries with the running backs. George Kittle was banged up. Ayuk was in the doghouse. So yeah, you can make the argument that uh, just by necessity that he he was the guy on the team. But you saw when Kittle came back and he was healthy and why, when Ayuk was getting involved later in the season, uh, he was still the focal point of that offense. And they were creating plays to get him involved because he's that dynamic of a playmaker. So uh, will I be drafting him this next redraft season at his cost? Probably not, because I think his his uh, draft capital is going to be way too high for what I'm comfortable with. I think there's definitely going to be some regression. I don't see him finishing top five next season, uh, especially if Trey Lance takes over that offense, uh, just because it adds a different wrinkle. It's the unknown, like at least with Jimmy G, we knew what we were getting ourselves into uh, last season. But with Trey Lance, we have no idea. So while Debo is very good, I think uh, the fantasy community in general is too high on him we need to temper our expectations Ooh. a little bit uh, i mean i could see him finishing like that low end wide receiver one high end wide receiver two in in that range um hopefully it's I'm just pleasantly... unnerving is all dustin to hear you of all people say that going into next I, year. I still I love like him. i really don't need get... to heat it no i i I, uh, I still love him um i don't expect and I shouldn't be saying this because it just happens every fucking year with the Niners. I don't expect like Elijah Mitchell and Trey Sermon to be injured again this season, even though I know their running backs there in San Francisco are always injured. But he had an insane amount of rushing touchdowns this year and, and rushes as a running back. I don't see that happening quite to that degree as we saw this year. They kind of had to do that out of necessity to have some semblance of a running game. So I think we'll see some regression there. And that's why I'm, I'm not out on him. I'm just, down at where his draft capital is going to require you to draft him this next season. That's fair. And and I agree with you 100% about the Trey Lance effect. Talked about that. They now have multiple wide receivers and a quarterback who can run it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, Debo obviously was the best of that bunch, but I, you can do similar things. George Kittle has mm-hmm. done similar things, not nearly as well. Debo did in his, in his uh, rookie year. And of course, he had injuries that he was playing mm-hmm. through at that time too. But he had 159 rushing yards and three touchdowns in that first year. I would say that is still a reasonable floor yes. expectation for him. Yeah, but I don't think the ceiling is also much higher than that. So, <laughs> right. but it's neat to be able to bank on that. But you're right. If you're drafting him in the end of the first round, somewhere in the second round. Yeah, I could understand. I think you're going to be a little disappointed. I mean, I'm just going to say that now. I think if you draft him that high, thinking he's going to be a top five wide receiver come the end of the season, I think you're going to be disappointed. Fair. Well, you know what I'm disappointed in, Dustin, is the fact that... Skin milk? Which is really... Yeah, which is really milk just pretending it's water, pretending it's milk. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, now I'm disappointed in that, too. Was that a Ron Swanson? It was. It was. God bless you. Uh, What I'm really disappointed in, besides skim milk, is my inability to pick out who is going to be even a usable receiving asset in Detroit. So this is only a half of a victory lap 
And this okay. is a super technicality. And I listened back to this episode where this got brought up. And this is what I have to say. Super technicality. I talked about the Detroit wide receiving core as a whole. As being this sleeper group and basically pick out your favorite guy, whoever you think Jared Goff is going to end up trusting the most, whoever's going to be most versatile, whatever, and go with that guy. I picked a guy. It was not the guy. I picked Brashad Perryman. I was like, I'll take a stab at Brashad Perryman. Oh, I thought you were going to say Quintez. No, remember, I was off of Quintez at that time. I didn't believe in Quintez Cephas for this year in this scheme with those guys. I thought maybe the field stretcher Brashad Perryman for play action, you know, that mm -hmm. Jared Goff was so keen as part of McVay's system with the Rams to use. But maybe he would get some more. And of course, nothing. He was injured almost immediately. Tyrell Williams injured almost immediately. And it took a long time for somebody to even break out of this group. Mm -hmm. But eventually we got to Amon Ra St. Brown and his breakout at the end of the year. The only reason I'm bringing this up is it's less of a pat on the back because, great, I said all these wide receivers at the very end of your draft, just pick one and hope. That was essentially my plea here. I don't feel like I deserve too much credit for that. But I, what I want to talk about, because we haven't really to this point, is, one, do you believe in Amon Ra St. Brown for next year? Do you believe in his breakout and that he can sustain it? And two, is this... A solid strategy going into next year. Let's say just look at the dumpster fire wide receiving depth charts around the league. There's always three or four teams. Very uninspiring. Mm -hmm. Is it worth it trying to find this guy in your draft? Or is it much more prudent to wait a little bit? Don't draft this guy because Amon Rao St. Brown is going to be there, you know, week seven, eight. It took some time. But wouldn't you rather go to the waivers or would you rather try and take a dart throw? I think it really depends on where his ADP is come draft season. I feel like his ADP is going to be inflated. Um, not saying he's not a talented player, because uh, if you if you listen to what the other St. Browns have to say, uh, is that Amon Ra is the most talented of the brothers that play football. Uh, so I, I just... I liked what I saw out of him this the end of the season here and I actually have him on a taxi squad on one of my teams and I'm trying to move him for a first round pick in the dynasty league because uh, I feel like that's the going rate right now that you can get for him. But you have to remember, Hawkinson was hurt. Swift was hurt towards the end of the season. Quintus Cephas was out all year on IR. Perriman was nothing. I mean, he was basically the only show in town. And, and, and I'm not saying that as a knock against him. I'm just saying, again, kind of with Debo, we need to temper our expectations because the other targets that Goff would have been throwing to were all out and injured. So you have to imagine some of those targets would be funneled to some of those other players rather than going to him. Now, that's not saying that this offense doesn't take another step forward. Um, I'm assuming Goff will be there again this year. I can't see Detroit spending draft capital on a quarterback in this class because it's not that strong of a quarterback class. Mm -hmm. So you might as well stick with Goff for one more year and then invest in a quarterback next draft class, which is supposed to be much, much better. So you still have Goff. I, I just, I, I'm lukewarm on him. I, I like what I saw, but I think, again, at ADP, he's going to be too high and too rich for what I want to pay for him. He doesn't peg you as somebody where you go, this was just the truth of the talent revealing itself, and you can trust both mm -hmm. the talent and the coaching situation to right. unearth this. And I get that, and I think that this type of player is more common than we like to admit. There mm -hmm. are guys that always flash, and yes, sometimes 
that's for a good reason, and they sustain that. But it's just as often, if not more so, that they flash and then disappear. You know, so mm -hmm. uh, I'm thinking Terrell Pryor. Remember that amazing year Terrell Pryor had with the Browns? This was, I don't know, 2016, 2017. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, myself included, got really excited for him the following year. Chris Hogan. Remember the Chris Hogan breakout with the Patriots and people got gaga over yeah. it? I know because I did. And you get hurt <laughs> with these types of players. And I think I'm more willing to lump him closer to that group than with the, you know, solid, consistent mm -hmm. wide receivers from future. So I, I feel you. That's all I really wanted to talk about. I'm not really giving myself much of a path. The only stat I wanted to mention, which is more in your favor here, is the Hawkinson splits. TJ Hawkinson, when he played, Amon Ross St. Brown, afterthought, averaging 40 yards a game, nine and a half points per game, fantasy points. Without Hawkinson, 25 fantasy points per game, 95 yards per game. Basically a touchdown every game. Hawkinson's going to be back. DeAndre Swift's going to be back. So I, too, am off of Amon Ross St. Brown. All right. Who else would you like to talk about? Um, I, again, I know we kind of talked about this last week, I think, a little bit. Or is it the week before? But that's Julio Jones. Uh, he was one of my bust candidates, and he busted hard so this year. So hard. Uh, and, and I know he was injured. So, I mean, we can't hold that totally against him. But yeah, I, w I was off him uh, get after he got traded to Tennessee. I thought, if I remember correctly, I thought it was going to be like a good like move for like the football team itself, adding another potentially big threat wide receiver to the mix. Uh, but we all know that AJ Brown is the fuel to that offense, other than King Henry. No disrespect to King Henry, he is the fuel. But when he comes to the wide receivers and, and the the downfield threats, that's AJ Brown. Like you know, he's going to get his. Julio is past his prime. I hate to say it. He's never been a touchdown guy, which we talked about uh, as far as our uh, beer bets go. So I, I was just off of him. Uh, you know, the only wide receiver we've seen in recent memory that has switched teams and performed close to the same level is DeAndre Hopkins. And Stephon Diggs. Okay, you got me there. That's two. That's <laughs> two this far, Shooter. Uh, but on, honestly, though, we don't see wide receivers that perform super, super well. And and what's the difference between Stefan Diggs and Julio? Like Age five and, years? Yeah. <laughs> and quarterback. And quarterback, yes. Uh, and I think you could make not, not the age comparison with DeAndre Hopkins, but the quarterback situation, I think you could say, is, is better there in Arizona um, compared to Ryan Tannehill. So... Those are the reasons I was off Julio. Uh, and yeah, it panned out. What can I say? It, it, I, I was right. A clock is right twice a day. I happen to be right on this one. Uh, you know, it, it is one of those seasons that what could have been with Julio as, as far as the injury goes. But he would have had yards. Maybe he would have cracked 1,000 yards. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if that offense could support 2,000-yard receivers, to be honest. Um, so yeah, that's why I was off of him. And like I said, it panned out. And while it's a victory, I don't feel great about it because of the injury, but I will still take it. Yeah, I mean, you should. He still had 10 games. Most of those games, he was healthy, as healthy as Julio Jones ever is it's when he's faced through these things. And he still didn't crack 500 yards. You know, so that's a that's a legitimate concern. And I recall early in the offseason when this first when this trade first went down. 
Boy, I don't know. Who do I really want between A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, considering ADP and whatnot? Mm-hmm. And I think I had talked myself into Julio Jones because of the discount, which how how just absolutely stupid. So let this be a lesson. These old guys that we fall in love with and we have more attachments to because we've had more years with them, we have to be ready to let them go. We have to let them become the butterflies of tomorrow or something equally inspiring. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, Damn it, Julio. All right, another one I want to talk about here. What I really want to talk about, which didn't come from those episodes, by the way, I want to give ourselves both a pat on the back because we didn't do enough of it in the uh, rankings look back, was James Conner. I recall vividly James Conner versus Chase Edmonds was a thing. Mm -hmm. And I was so excited when in the Scott Fish Bowl, I got James Conner in like round 10. And you deserve more credit for this than I do because you were more adamant about Connor versus Edmonds because of the goal line work. You said, well, look towards the touchdowns, and that's a more boom sort of player, and maybe Edmonds would have consistency with the targets. And yes, some of that had to do with Edmonds going out with injury, and that's why Mm -hmm. James Connor was such a beast. But even when Edmonds was playing, James Connor was fucking crushing it. And it was because of those touchdowns that you were seeking. And getting a running back like that in the 10th round is how you win a league. So just because it wasn't talked about in one of these two episodes, the sleepers and bust or the drinking buddies, doesn't mean that we, and mostly you, don't deserve that little pat on the back for James Conner. And the only thing that I want to ask you about that for looking forward is James Conner is obviously a free agent. And we did talk about that to some extent, what his market would be like in the free agency. Mm-hmm. But let's say that he stays with the Cardinals and it is him and Chase Edmonds again this year and everything else remains the same. Do you go right back to that Connor well? Or did, was there anything about the season that said fluke to you where you're backing off? Well, um, Edmonds was injured for a while there. So Connor was getting the bulk of the carries. Um, and he was just super hyper efficient with the touchdowns this year. I don't know that that would happen again. Uh, but. I guess it depends on where their ADP falls. And I know it's kind of a cop-out answer, but I will probably take Fair. whoever the lesser of the ADP is on that team and draft them. I'd have to imagine they're both going to be mid-round running backs. Assuming they're both on Arizona, they both come back. I would take whoever the cheaper of the two options are at that point because Connor gives you the actual touchdown upside, but Edmonds gives you the, the PPR receiving upside. So it's mm. it's kind of a... Which hand do you want? I'll take whichever one's cheaper. (laughs) (laughs) Always take the cheapest hand, which I think is the left hand. I can't say for certain, uh, but I I think that's the case. One other guy, because I'm looking at this show sheet and you're like, I didn't really have that many hits, which is just flagrantly not true. And so you did this for me earlier. We're just going to have a real schmaltz fest tonight. One guy that you listed on your sleepers list that is conspicuously absent from this show sheet is Carson Wentz. Now, Whatever your determination for a hit is, I think maybe needs more leniency. Because I look back at Carson Wentz's ADP coming Mm -hmm. into the season. According to Fantasy Pros, his ADP was all the way down at quarterback 28. This was in the thick of injury concerns with him. To be fair, people didn't know if he was starting week one. And some of that is obviously baked into that cost there. People didn't know whether they could rely on him to start the season. However, calling him a sleeper when he is ADP 28 and then he finishes as QB 14, a very serviceable serviceable quarterback, Mm -hmm. I feel like earns him a spot on this list, right? 
I guess. I mean, I didn't put him on there because I didn't feel great about it, obviously. Um, yeah, I mean, he finished fine. I just, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't pretty. Don't get me wrong. I'm not no. saying that, that you loved <laughs> every week of having Carson Wentz on your roster. He is, and oddly enough, they finished basically back-to-back in the final standings. He is basically Derek Carr for you, but even Derek Carr had a higher ADP than Carson Wentz did going into this season. And I'll say, don't you do Derek Carr dirty like that. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm saying that if you can celebrate him in any way and call him a sleeper, as we often do on this podcast, same deal with Kirk Cousins. It's this entire little midi, muddy section. It's like the Philip Riverses of current day, like mm-hmm. always underappreciated and they always finish fringe QB1, but nobody ever talks about him. Carson Wentz now is in that group. Uh, fair enough. All right. That's all I'm saying. So going, obviously, we didn't talk about this at the start. Carson Wentz probably not going to be a Colt next year. It seems fully like they are out on him. So mm-hmm. this is purely a look back. I don't have any useful information for him going forward to next year because we don't know what team he's even going to be on. Yes, absolutely. And I, I feel like at this point he's going to be, he's not given any starting quarterback jobs wherever he ends up because he will end up on another team. Although maybe if it's someone like Houston where they're desperate for a quarterback, he would step in as the starter. But I feel like at this point, if he couldn't make it with his old uh, quarterbacks coach and in a situation that was really just perfect for him to step into. Yeah, I can't see he's going to get a chance to like step in as a starter somewhere. He's going to have to go and improve it. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to get the Mitch Trubisky treatment, Mm -hmm. I feel like, which is fine. It's more than fine for him. Uh, are there are there any other big hits that you want to talk about? Well, we have a dual one here on our show sheet where where yeah. it's a hit for you, and I put it under our unsettled category. Uh, and 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 as it, it was the beer uh, bet that I was paying off here, uh, it's Logan Thomas. So so he was a hit for you. So why don't you espouse why why he is he is a hit and pat yourself on the back for it? Well, my note in here about this is that. While, yes, he is a hit by technicality, this is a Detroit receiver situation all over again. Because technically, yeah, he finished lower than you wanted him to. He busted. He barely played for you. But that's also celebrating an injury to some extent, which I do not like to do. The reason mm-hmm. that I did mention him, and we discussed him a little bit again last last episode. But I actually brought it up as a way of, sure, it looks good for me, but I want to reiterate. He looks better than his final stats do. The reason I'm also wanting to talk about this is going forward for next year. Logan Thomas, I am out on him for next year. It has nothing to do with how he played while healthy this year. It's a matter of me not believing that he will stay healthy for next year, is all. I feel like you just hate him. Yeah, probably a little bit of that too. What are you doing? (laughs) Quarterback turned tight end? You think you can just play two positions? Huh? And I can't even play one? Is that what you're trying to say with this, Logan? (laughs) <laughs> and, and yeah you're right and so i'm jealous what about it but what what do you like about him i mean obviously again you can't count this as as a partial victory because the few games that he played he was great right so he was fine as we said points per game 17 i do and i know we kind of went over this in, in previous weeks um so we don't need to hit it too hard but you know had he played a full season i feel like he would have been an easy top eight tight end and i, I know we know when i say easy that's not a high bar to hit uh, for, for tight end eight because uh, that kind of six to 15 range or six to 20 is 
all basically one tight end at that point. Uh, it's just a matter of a couple of touchdowns. So, I mean, for him to hit that, I don't think is a high bar, but had he stayed healthy only because look at what other weapons they have there with the commanders. Uh, it, it's, you said that with air quotes around it. By oh, the absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, I did. I'd much rather they just stayed the Washington football team, to be to sure. be honest. Um, yeah, I know I've heard it on other podcasts, and it totally rings true. It sounds like a, a USFL team or an XFL team, the Commanders, an Arena Football League team. Like, it just sounds like a second-rate name for a team. Um, anyway, let's move on. I feel like I could have came up with that name when I was like five years old. Let's be honest. You just no. you just said let's move on, and then you took the opportunity to have I one know. more just one last day, just one more. God, anyway. wine Dustin is an ass. <laughs> well, maybe that's fair. Um, <laughs> but let's I mean let's look at the weapons on that team, and I know we're still looking at free agency. There's a lot that can happen this offseason. but where we stand right now, you got Terry McLaurin, you've got um, um, Antonio Gibson. Sure do. And you've got um, JD McKissick probably coming back. That guy probably coming back. What else do you have? Yeah, not much. Cam Sims, the other Sims wide receiver. <laughs> I was just about to <laughs> try and think of his actual first name, and I can't. I couldn't do it. Whatever the other uh, Sims is. Yeah. So I mean, it's not like they have a plethora of options there to throw the ball to. Sure. And I get so, that. And a lot of times, tight ends. When people look at the tight ends to target, they say. Is he the second or third target on the team? And if so, mm -hmm. let's go after him. Right. And yeah, so that's the reason why I'm still in on him. I mean, am I going to draft him in like the fifth round of, of redraft? No, because you don't have to take him there. Do but it in our league, though. That'll I show. might. Okay. I might. It can't be worse than the time I took a kicker in the fifth round. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Hey, somebody took Gronk in like the second round this last year. Look how well that paid out. Well, so This I is mean, fair. You got to be bold. Fair. That's right. All right, I would. I did want to talk about some of these unsettled ones here, All right. because there's there's some that just they hung in the nebulous. We didn't actually get to see how these really played out, but they mm -hmm. do bear talking about. I think to some extent. This first one, not as much, but I just like to bring up his name. It's Ryan Fitzpatrick. I had called him my drinking buddy, my quarterback sleeper ultimate option, and we saw 16 total snaps. And then he got injured. Mm -hmm. And that's the end of Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's going to be 39 to start the season. I cannot imagine at this point another team gives him a chance to be a starter. No. Do you? Okay. Does no, I agree. Anyway? He's going to be a backup somewhere. I could see him maybe being a bridge quarterback for like half a dozen games or so. If a team drafted a rookie and they want like a veteran in there just to start the season at least. But yeah, other than that, uh, uh, He's not going to play unless there's an injury. I, that's he, he's yeah. as as great as he's looked and as great as as much as we love him. I, I just don't see it happening at this point. I mean, he's been a journeyman quarterback his entire career, basically, uh, and he always seems to get the starts. But yeah, 39, it's hard to come back from a serious injury like that. Play at a high level. Some team will pick him up because he he'll be good for a quarterback room, especially a young quarterback room. But for fantasy purposes, yeah, un unless the starter goes down and he gets, you know, boosted into that starting role, he's basically done. And but I also, hate, it makes me sad to say that. Even as we say that, could you imagine if he went back to Tampa Bay and, you know, Kyle Trask is the only quarterback on the roster right now? No, there's a no, reunion in Tampa Bay. No, he can't do that because he's got to get to all 32 teams. Yeah, I understand he can't the go appeal. Back. 
<laughs> I can get the appeal. I'm just saying if he has to go somewhere for fantasy utility, that's the one. Get six games in Tampa. I'll take all six of those games. But otherwise, well, what about Houston? Tampa. Yeah, I don't want yeah. it. No. I know it. I know it checks off another team on your bingo card, but I don't want it. I don't want it. What about me. the What about the Saints? Stop asking. All I I want him somewhere, probably on all teams, but I don't <laughs> know that he's going to be more useful anywhere else. All this right. is kind of interesting, but again, that's really just like making him and Jameis right. butt heads again somehow. Yeah, but no. Um, yeah, Fitzpatrick makes me sad that what could have been the season, and it kind of ties back to the Logan Thomas conversation we just had. It's like if Fitzpatrick was there, what could have the season looked like if they were both healthy for the season? You know, it's what could we'll have never been. know. That's we'll right. Never know. This one is actually more upsetting for me because we got to see a little bit more of it. This it's is Chris Carson. I, I'm upset yeah. about this one. He was my running back drinking buddy. Mm-hmm. And Chris Carson, I was so in on him. I said, he's going to be the best in the NFC. Best running back in the NFC. I thought, foolishly. He played four total games. He got injured during the fourth. And then we never saw him again. And we don't know uh, if we're going to see him again, period. I mean, he had a very serious neck injury. So it's like, yes, he, the injury he could be done huge. after this. Yeah, now there's been talks. Pete Carroll has come out and said, oh, things are okay, like he's on track. Right. I don't know what any of that means because I don't trust Pete Carroll. Right. Um, Now, he was the running back 14 during his first three healthy games before that injury in week four. And Mm -hmm. that's fine. RB14 is totally fine, totally usable. Uh, Again, small sample size. We don't know what would have happened. If you want to project out, if you wanted hope, this is the hope is Rashad Penny. Because Rashad mm-hmm. Penny in the last five games, when he took over the Seattle backfield, ended with 671 rushing yards and six rushing touchdowns in five games. Oh, yeah. Balled out. Crazy. Barely involved in the passing game. It didn't matter. He was the RB1 over mm-hmm. that stretch. Now, if you're a Rashad Penny tweeter, you say, well, that's because he is that talented. And he's more talented than Chris Carson. That's it. That's the end of the story. If you believe in the scheme, then you say, well, Carson might not have done that well, but he could have done well. He could have still been a fringe RB1 at worst, which is where mm-hmm. I fall in the RB1. Same, same. We're, we're, we're right here. We're, we're, we're the same uh, so uh, my, on this. My only question then for next year is the injuries concerning. But if, if he comes back and he says, I'm going to play, and Pete Carroll says he's going to play, and we're going to call him our starter, because Rashad Penny and Alex Collins are both unrestricted free agents. So the real mm-hmm. competition there, there's another couple of tertiary guys as there is in any backfield. Mm-hmm. And there is a potential out for Chris Carson this year too. He only has $3 million in dead cap. It's $6 million as an actual cap hit. So he could be on the move or he could stay. But if he stays and Penny and Collins go, are you back in next year if they say he's healthy? If if we see that he's participating in training camp and, and you know on track to, to play the season and they're not limiting his workload or anything in practice or anything like that. Yeah, I would take him as an RB2. I, and I know Penny looked great. I, I do, but I think the Seahawks have shown their loyalty to Carson, uh, even though he was, what, a seventh-round pick or undrafted. Like, he was basically basically undrafted free agent. But he has beat out guys time and time again, and I know Pete Carroll is one of those coaches that says draft capital be damned. And it's it's more of what have you done for me lately? But mm-hmm. I, I for some reason I feel like they they would give Carson the bulk of the carries should he be healthy. So if if he is healthy going into the season, I I would not hesitate in drafting him. 
you are ready to get hurt again. Yes. As am I. My only fear is that they keep both Chris Carson and Rashad Penny because I'm they sure they will need depth. I, I'm sure they will, um, which is a little concerning. But at the same time, I mean, very small sample side was Rashad Penny. And, you know, he's been injured, off injured throughout his career so far. And maybe he's finally passed that and he's healthy. And, you know, how many times do you see the fifth year breakout for running backs? It's rare. It's, it's very, very rare. rare. <laughs> and it is almost exclusively due to them coming back from injuries and finally staying healthy mm-hmm. and the only option here yeah speaking of injured running backs the last one i wanted to talk about that's unsettled i called jk dobbins a potential bust before the season started we never got to see him play at all so we don't we don't know we don't know what could have would have happened mm-hmm. but i am here to say he probably would have not been a bust he no. probably would have exceeded what i had laid out for him because if we saw devonta freeman and granted, he only started eight games. And his old ass legs. And he's like 90 years old. He had 42 targets over those games. Again, only started eight games, had 42 mm-hmm. targets on the year. That was one of my big concerns with Dobbins. They don't throw like, the running back. It's like five targets a game. Quick that's, math. That's there. fast math. I know. That's real good math. And that's an amazing uh, floor ceiling boat, mm-hmm. honestly, for a running back to have. So that basically answered my question about J.K. Dobbins. Because yes, he's better than Devonta Freeman. You would thousand percent. So you know, Devonta Freeman was RB thirty in points per game from the time he took over as the starter. Uh, that's not anything. But again, would Dobbins be better than that? You bet he would. Absolutely. Do you think? Would you say top twelve? I think it's within the range of outcomes. Yeah, absolutely. And again, assuming full health. Because we've seen Cam Akers come back from an injury mm-hmm. and play this year. And now we're waiting on Dobbins. We haven't gotten any real updates on Dobbins. But if he's fully healthy, then you'd say you're comfortable taking him as a as your RB1 next year? Or are you not that confident? Um, I'm probably not that confident. I guess it really depends how the first couple rounds of the draft would go. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I wouldn't take him round one. Uh, I think there's other running backs I believe in more. But sure. if I could get him like in the late second, like say it's Snake and I have like an early, early first round pick and I could get him in the late second or maybe early third, I would be down for that as my second running back for sure. Interesting. I'm very curious to see where his ADP is mm-hmm. more than a guy like Cam Akers. I think we know where Cam Akers ADP is going to be. People are so enthralled with him. I think he's going to be very close to that top 12 territory. And I, mm-hmm. I would be out on Cam Akers, I think. I would probably. draft Dobbins. I would draft Dobbins over Acres, probably ten out of ten times, maybe nine out of ten times. I wouldn't go one hundred percent, but I mean, I never go. 100%. I, I'm never. I've never been a huge believer in Cam Acres, uh, and I feel like the Rams' offensive line is going to get worse this off season uh, rather than improving. So that's that that's why I'm out on him. And more competition, at least as we sit right now. Mm -hmm. So those are all the guys. Those are all the guys that we wanted to talk about today. See, we did a good job. I don't think we inflated Mm -hmm. ourselves too much here. No, no, absolutely not. But it was nice to give ourselves a little bit of credit here. Little baby, little baby. Just to show we're not total jabronis. (laughs) First of all, (laughs) I love this word. I love that you're using it. Continue to do so. Uh, All right. Well, anything else, Jake, here before we sign off for the evening? Uh, no. 
Oh, wait, yes, yes. Did I? We talked about the start of the show. I said I was going to make you believe that staying home from Mardi Gras was the better option. It worked out better overall for you. Did I do it? Did no. I do it, Dustin? Damn Sorry, it. no. God damn it. Is it because I didn't throw beads at you? Or show me your your nerps, you know, a little, <laughs> little flashing. That's action. all I had to do was flash uh, a little nerp? Well, not all, but I mean... That would have got the ball I mean, rolling. It, it I, I should have done start. that during the beer bet payoff. I don't yeah. know what the hell I was thinking. <laughs> That's on me. No, unfortunately, not much can uh, live up the Mardi Gras. And if you have not had the chance to go, folks, go sometime. It's And don't do Bourbon Street. Don't do the bullshit Bourbon Street thing that the girl's gone wild shit that you see on TV. That is not Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras, you go. It's families. There's kids running around. It's it's like your normal like Fourth of July parade, but on steroids where the floats are like incredible. The bands are amazing. They're throwing instead of throwing candy, they throw beads and other trinkets. Uh, and it's it's just a lot of fun. There's good food. There's good music. Uh, it's it's very jovial and friendly. Like it's it's such a great time. So if you haven't gone, go sometime. Um, we are usually stationed on uh, uh, by the Avenue Pub on St. Charles. So you can look look for me there. Um, I'll be dressed up in costumes, as I always do when I get back next year, because this is a fluke and I'm not going to miss it again. We're, we're snipping this out for next year. We're going to play that in advance of Mardi Gras 2023 so that people know where to That's find right. us. Yeah, absolutely. Come find me. It's a great time. Anything else, Jake? Nah, man. I think no? we did it. All right. Well, folks, before we get out of here, go find us on the Twitter machine uh, doing our thing. Uh, Jake more so than me. You can find Jake at Jake Trowbridge. Find our podcast at Drinking Fantasy. Go out there, submit your drunk trades to us. We're in the off season here. Go make some drunk trades. Or if you know of someone that has big drunk trades, you know, just and just just get them to tell us Share what you're drunk. Love, yeah, man. Don't hold yeah. all that joy to yourself. That's right. Why would you be so selfish? Yeah, we want to share it to all of our listeners out there. Uh, and it's just fun to talk about um, whether the trade is good or bad. I mean, because obviously in the last few episodes here, we've had some pretty good drunk trades. They're not all bad ones. So. Uh, so, yeah, share those with us. We love hearing them. We're here for any of your offseason questions, uh, whether it's trades or strategies or anything else you want to talk about, we're here for you. Our DMs are open. Um, so like I said, find our Twitter handle at Drinking Fantasy. You can find me at FFDustyDog if you so choose. Go give us a rate and review. Give us five stars or four stars. We prefer five. But anywhere but where you list a podcast. Not lower than three. That's right. That's just obnoxious. That's right. Give us a rate and review. We do appreciate it. It helps find people find our podcast easier. Because who doesn't want to listen to us or watch us? Hit the little bell uh, if you're watching us on YouTube. Subscribe to us. You'll get notified when we go live. I think that's all of it for this week. Until next week, folks, keep drinking and talking fantasy football. Cheers, FFers. Shut up, shut up, shut up.